Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. I'm Rita Sodi, and uh, I'm Jody Williams, and I'm sitting next to Rita Sodi, and we're here to talk about our Via Prodotto cookbook. What a thrill it is to have you on my cookbook podcast because I've lived in the West Village since 1996 and my husband and I are raising our son in the neighborhood and it is truly our home. There is something special about the West Village. I think it's the combination of the creatives that are drawn here, the winding streets with the towering trees, many of which are cobblestone and the 19th century architecture, which all makes for a picturesque movie set sort of feel. Now add in your restaurants, which are mere blocks from each other. Isodi, Bouvet, Bar Pizzolino, most recently the Commerce Inn, and what we're here to talk about today, Via Carota, an old world Italian slice of heaven on Grove Street between 7th Avenue and Bleecker in the West Village, New York City. Jody, would you please read the first few sentences under Meeting on Christopher Street? My pleasure, Susie. Meeting on Christopher Street. The first time I met Rita Sodi was in the spring of 2008. Her restaurant, Isodi, had been open for a month or two, and I was lucky enough to find myself seated at the bar for a late solo dinner. I ordered her bocelli di fava and a risotto di asperici from a small handwritten menu. Twelve seats away, was the chef and owner herself, enjoying a plate of carciofi fritti and a Negroni. Little did I know that one day we'd marry and would work side by side in our neighborhood restaurants. So you ate at E. Sodi about five more times before you worked up the courage to introduce yourself with a couple of pints of perfectly ripe TriStar strawberries from the market. You hung out in the kitchen with Rita, and that brought you right back to your days learning how to cook in Reggio Emilia. It's like that was a moment, a turning point for both of you. This is true. That's how we, you know, that that's the story. Um trying to get to know Rita and just being in awe of this little Italian, so true in every sense. And this personality in the kitchen, that was, that was my goal. I think I succeeded. (laughs) You did, Jody, you did. (laughs) So you want Via Carota to transport us to another place in time. Talk about how the restaurant was inspired by the 17th century villa in the hills of Florence, which was home for you. Um, Jody, can you talk about how Via Crota is the offspring for both of your different approaches and personalities? The real Via Carota in uh, Bagno di Ripoli inspired Grove Street, mostly, I mean, not in any one way, to say everything, design to food, to the tone, to the spirit. So uh, just to touch on some of the design part, we had a table in front of us, and on that table was one thing that started the design chain, and it was the kitchen door knocker, big, heavy brass, you know, with this kind of shape, and it looked like four. 400 years old. And from that, we began adding in things that we like to create the feel and the look of Via Grotta. Those chairs with the little back pocket menu were chapel chairs out of, actually out of England. Those are originally from the Rita's home. Not all of them. We had to source most of them from London. Um, 
But um, little things like that came together. Things from Rita's mother's kitchen as well are in the dining room. And that's sort of the heart and soul. And then we just try to get out of the way and create a place that's familiar and comforting. Yeah, where we love to be, you know, like you, you walk up in the Akrota and you feel you feel home. It's not perfect. I mean, we were actually moving. We live in the West Village, too. And uh, we were moving and building and cooking. And uh, Rita gave me this beautiful bicycle from Italy. What's it called? Umberto Day. And we didn't have room for it when we were moving. So we sort of just left it in the restaurant. And like so many years later, it's still there <laughs> and it looks great. But it, <laughs> it you know, it, it, it wasn't so planned. It just sort of happens. You know, you put something here, you you have an old table, you use what you have, you step back, you look at it and we ask how do we feel and then we go to the next and we go on to the next and then how does it functions you know as chefs who work in restaurants and know how people work in restaurants that's also important but basically capturing that spirit you know um you know, standing at the original Via Crota and looking out over the the low hills and you can see the, what is it, the tower, the Piazza Signore. Signoria. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we can tell who really speaks Italian here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's a little bit of everything. Basically, I was working really hard at Bouvet and Rita's working really hard at Isodi and we We'd pop out of our kitchens and we'd say, gee, if we want to see each other, we probably should open up a restaurant together. And we looked down the block and smiled and said, why not? Let's take the challenge. Sort of a little bit ignorance is bliss. So talk about how Via Corona is the offspring for both of your different approaches and personalities, because you're two very different people. <laughs> yes, we are very different. <laughs> yeah, we're different. <laughs> In a good way, I think we complement each other. We have a lot in common, you know, work ethic and just, you know, sense of, the sensibilities are all all aligned. But the our characters are totally different. I like to wait everything and be have everything in front of me and, and repeat myself uh, all the time in my recipe and everything. Jody is much more spontaneous, and uh, I don't think you do the same recipe two times. Yeah, this yeah. is this is true. Yeah. Rita is really precise and rules and, you know, and she comes, you know, with this Italian culture. Well, that is like that. This is Cacio Pepe. No, no, you cannot change it. And I come in as a outsider and I lived in Italy for almost six years and worked and and never came back to the States. And I have a more regional sense. But uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a mess. (laughs) No, it's not true. We, but we get to the same ends, yeah. um, you know. And yeah, it's where we complement each other. So because we we add to each other, we 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 put together stuff that uh, I will not do it, and Jody will not do it. But uh, they are they are going to be together. So that's uh, I think is the magic thing of Fabio yeah. Carota. I mean, like working on the Svizzerina, the 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 famous hand chopped steak that's seared with rosemary and garlic confit. We went through, you know, of course I said, let's try it with a piece of focaccia. 
Mm, didn't sit right. There's this verbal tradition in cooking. Like we don't write down a lot that this cookbook exists is thank you, Anna Koval. We, it's sort of this fluid kind of push and pull. The next version of the Spitzerina was, was what? I had caramelized onions or yeah, I had yeah. uh, Cipollini onions yeah. and you know, it was good and Rita was nice, but no. And we take away and we take away. And here's the thing. We take away until you can't can't take away anymore and the dish is done and that's that's our common ground and that's the simplicity of the recipes the cookbook but also to the whole kitchen at Via Crota. Do you think this cookbook came about because your guests ask you if they can get the recipe or how you made that? I mean people ask for cocktail recipes Negroni recipes they, you yeah. know um Zabayon or the biscotti or in, or and of course the green salad. The cookbook came about also, I think, because it was a way to put everything together, hopefully to share more than recipes. Hopefully this book is a piece of, uh, you know, a little piece of the heart and soul yeah, of what happens there. Yeah. Tell a little bit more about us to people and why Via Carota is there. Well, speaking of the green salad, as much as I would like to talk about pasta, I have to bring that up. It's your gorgeous Ensalada Verde. And you say your objective was to create the quintessential green salad. Could you describe it? On every table, at every table, at every meal, there should be a green salad. Or it could be a bowl of chicory sometimes or another salad. But basically that green green salad. It was always on our table. Usually at home, we spread it out on a platter and eat it by hand. But for the restaurant, we put it in a bowl and it's big because we imagine you're going to share it. We imagine you're going to share everything when you sit down. But the thing about side salads, insalata verde, conterni, which is the word for the side dishes, we always felt that was the best part of the meal that got relegated to a tiny corner of a menu and didn't have enough thought and care. So we flipped that, freed it, and put it in the middle and the heart of our menu. That's why there's probably 20 vegetable dishes there. And there's no conterni because that's basically how we always wanted to eat when we go out. And we went this way. And that's why the green salad is a little bit more than a green salad. It's became this big, beautiful, you see it, you want to just, you just you want to rest, rest on it. It's like a big green pillow. And it takes a lot of care, actually. It's just, you know, to wash and trim and curate salad. Simple things have to be done well. Hopefully we get it right. It's a work of art. And if you look around the restaurant, everyone has one on their table. I want to talk about the vinaigrette. I could literally drink that vinaigrette. It's simple, yet so complex. What is the key to that? You know, a cake of uh, of uh, vinegar, but it's not too too strong, and and the olive oil, and put everything together, and uh, you know, it give a flavor, but not kill the ingredients. So it's it's a, it's a little bit of everything. You know, the balance, I think, of the ingredients, it's the key of uh, of the dressing. And when you take a, a teaspoon of the vinaigrette and you stir it up, and then you've got the shallots and the the mustard seed yeah. and everything, the fresh thyme in it, and you taste that, it should be absolutely soft and pleasurable on your mouth. No hint of piercing vinegar, no wincing. So all all our vinaigrettes are soft so that they're actually really pleasurable when they're in your mouth and they're gentle on the leaves of salad. So we, we really, really love vinegar and lemon juice, but we keep it moderate so it doesn't really like 
ruin what we think ruins a good vinaigrette. Rita, is there something nostalgic and a bit melancholy for you that you're the only one from your family who still makes pasta? No, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to take uh, my mother with me all, every day. And it's uh, it's part of my, I would say, DNA. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's how uh, I have my memory, you know. The New Yorker called Via Carota New York's most perfect restaurant. And it's an homage to your mother, Rita. And Jody, can you tell the story of Rita's mom's cutting board and mezzaluna and how it symbolized everything for you? It was June, early June, early June, uh, years ago, 2010, 2010. Thanks. And Rita's mother had passed away and we flew to Cavalina. The whole family was there and we went into her mother's kitchen and the whole family was planning the dinner that we'd cook that evening and butchers from the neighborhood were dropping off meat and your sister was in charge of doing the big frito misto and you were doing all the pastas and meat. And when we got to uh, Rita's mother's kitchen, it was as though she had just been there and the wooden cutting board that was probably the size of this cookbook that we have now was stained with parsley and green. And there was a groove in it from the work that the Mezzaluna had done over the years. And this groove was probably half an inch deep. And it's so impressive. You know, when cooking tools become worn and you sharpen your knife so many times that the blade is uh, half the size, there's this preciousness, there's this patina of life. It, it, It made such an impression on me to see the work in this kitchen, the tiny little pot holders that you know, her hands have used over the years on that oven that were handmade. Rita said she, you know, the one thing that she wanted was that uh, cutting board. Yeah, it's the only things I took with me. And the Mezzaluna, which are in the restaurant. And that's sort of, you know, a keystone for us of just respect of staying at it and doing and doing things. And being a mom is such hard work. And being in a kitchen and being responsible for people and, fe- and feeding them and how you feed them. That's what we pick up from that. Yeah. But it was a beautiful and sad moment. And for me as an American to be in the middle of this family and to be in the kitchen and wanting to help. And there was a huge joy too when everybody came together at the same time was really amazing. And uh, those are the moments where I really learn how to cook. In the cookbook, you focus in on the seasons. And in September, you start to plan the fall menu for Via Carota. I just adore risotto in the fall. Can you describe your recipe for risotto zucca radicchio on page 224? Yeah, the risotto zucca and radicchio. Yeah. This is actually a risotto I used to make a lot in Reggio Emilia at um, Cafe Arte Mestieri. I love this because of, not only because of the bright orange color and the deep purple of the radicchio, but also the sweet and the bitter flavors that come together. And then the richness of Parmesan cheese that's stirred into it when you're Montegatti stirring and stirring your risotto. We run this as a a special in the fall. I think I've heard you talk about 16 bubbles on the surface. Does that mean it's ready to add the butter? (laughs) I don't even know where I heard that. 
<laughs> no, it's I, I, it's true. Um, I was a what they call an ayuto cuoca. So I was like kitchen help. That was my my document, my uh, labor documents in Italy. So I was in a lot of kitchens and in a kitchen in Rome, this older man would instruct me when the risotto was ready and to be pulled off the stove and to add butter. And he said, look for the, you know, the 16 buki right yeah. now. My Italian has always been so bad. I hope I got that right. But it, it seems to work <laughs> when you get those bubbles bursting on the top. And this happens in polenta too, which is dangerous because you got to stand back and not get splattered. But the risotto, you'll get these 16 buki or as Bubble. many yeah, yeah the little bubbles popping up and somehow the liquid it means the liquid's cooked out of the risotto enough that you can proceed to the next so rita what are a couple of the recipes that really remind you of your mother that you serve at the restaurant and are in the cookbook more or less it all the pasta and uh, you know the svizzerina is something like uh, you know the the you know the I don't know where the word is coming from. Uh, it's uh, I don't think the new generation uh, knows about about the word. But uh, uh, you know, there was this way that uh, you know, then when you don't want to eat meat when you're little, and my mother was like, "Oh, come on, give you a spitzerina, make you a spitzerina." So that's that's it. every time I hear name spitzerina, that is coming from my mind. Another one that uh, you know it was very often in the in the table uh, where we put a little um, bread there. Then uh, normally, why you, you know you make the the butter for for you know for the rabbit, and also you you always have a little butter left over. So and you know you take your piece of bread that you put there and you add to the dish. So you're talking about the rosemary fried rabbit. Habit. Yeah, that's one of my favorite dishes. And Rita's family had a lot of, um, you know, help on, on the farm or anything at one point. So her mother would spontaneously have to do lunch, I heard, from like five to 20 people. So if they had a couple rabbits to fry and a lot of people showed up, she would fry bread, pieces of bread and with the rabbit to extend the meal. And it happens to be one of the best parts of the fried rabbit. Yeah. You know, you have the leg, you have the, like the, the loin, and then there's this, what, this fried bread, like think savory French toast with this rosemary and fennel, yeah. fennel pollen. And yeah, that's one of my favorites. Now, when you sit down at the restaurant, what is your go-to dish and drink? Start with the Negroni. Go to artichoke salad, of course. We talk about green salad that we part of the meal always. And uh, depends from the day, it would be branzino, one pasta, uh, sometimes a dessert, yeah, like a panna cotta. Basically, green salad, either spizzerino or the branzino or grilled chicken. Lemon risotto, if it's a lunch, um, that's, we're, that's on a cut and paste repeat. That's what we're, we're eating. But also, I have to admit, family meal. <laughs> um, I will eat bowls and plates of the family meal over there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So now to my segment called My Favorite Herb or Spice, where you tell us what fresh herb or spice you use the most in your kitchen and why. Well, if it's summer, my herb is basil. Can't wait for the pesto and the basil tomatoes or basil and watermelon salad or if it's in the, the fall and the winter rosemary and my sage. your oh yeah your sage sage rosemary yeah. 
my spices ground ground fennel seed into salt on fish or pork or chicken on some vegetables yeah and, and also your, you know, what's your spice would be black pepper <laughs> black pepper we have a real lean pantry i love other things too but i guess these are these are what we use more from and they're really tools in our kitchen so where can we find you on the web social media and in new york city you can find us on our instagram which is via Corota. our website is via Corota.com, and we're somewhere on Grove street either at via Corota or around the corner at isodi on christopher Bouvet, up and down the block yeah just we're just hanging out in the neighborhood some people finish each other's sentences and you finish each other's dishes i can't thank you enough for coming on cookery by the book podcast thank you for having us Susie. real delight thank you so much Follow Cookery by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.